Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of our podcast Hippocratical after a very very long time but we are finally back and we have a new member which I would like to introduce, um, his name is Sanjit, say hi Sanjit. Uh, hi guys. So Sanjit is going to be joining our team and he's actually going to be leading our episode today which um, is very topical about vaccine refusal. So uh, we're just going to discuss the ethical dilemmas with that and talk about um, some stuff that's been in the news recently in terms of vaccine mandates, Novak Djokovic and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to now pass it over to Sanjit. Um, so how this is going to work is I'm, we're first going to go over the general statistics and facts about vaccine refusal and uptake uh, over the years and currently, and then we're going to sort of delve into the ethical issues and uh, try and look at some real life examples. So, um, firstly, so um, looking at the gov uh, gov.uk, the COVID the COVID vaccine stats. So, ninety one percent of people aged twelve and above have had their first vaccine. Eighty five percent and above, aged twelve and above, have their second vaccine, and sixty six point one percent aged twelve and above have had their third vaccine. So um, we, we've reached a point in time where if you look at the graph for vaccine uptake, they all three lines have plateaued for all three vaccines and the graph is plateauing at lower heights for all of the vaccines, so at lower heights for every new vaccine. So this is sort of showing that with every new dose, the uptake is, is seeing a significant decrease. So first of all, why do we think that this uptake is decreasing? So one main reason is vaccine fatigue. So basically people get, so the more times you tell them to take this vaccine, the more people are getting fed up with having to take so many vaccines. So I don't know if Scott or Pam could jump in this all. Yeah, I think it's something that's we can see around us, especially like um, just like our family and friends. Sometimes they're like, oh, they're gonna, there's another vaccine or there's going to be a fourth vaccine, fifth vaccine, sixth vaccine. Um, and... It's not that hard to understand that people are going to get upset about that and get um, get kind of frustrated that there's going to be more and more vaccines that they're going to have to take. And then that kind of also means that people think, oh, well, didn't the first vaccine work? Didn't the second and third vaccine work? Um, obviously, they, do, they are working, but they just need to be boosted. But there is sort of a lack of uh, awareness, public awareness about how the vaccines work which kind of leads to people thinking that oh they're just going to have to keep giving us doses because the vaccines that they're making before are rubbish so scott did you have anything to add yeah i just wanted to say that we can even look at vaccines in a in a non-covid way because there are vaccines such as the mmr vaccine and the uptake for that is decreasing as well so a statistic to look at is that uh we're 10 percentage points below the who's target uh, as of the 1st of February 2022 for MM MMR vaccine uptakes um, and that's the lowest uptake in a decade and there are various reasons for this like you said there's vaccine fatigue but with the MMR in particular there's a lot of well theories about side effects that it can have notably the Andrew Wakefield idea that vaccines such as MMR can cause autism and I just these theories they are in most if not all cases just wrong uh, and that's an important thing to remember so in the case of the Andrew Wakefield scandal the disease that Wakefield 
thought was autism is actually an, an epigenetic condition that had no effect from the vaccine. So that was a lie. But what it did is it reduced the uptake of MMR vaccines. But um, yeah, and so that's really serious. And even with the COVID vaccines, people think there could be like some like evil side effects, like the mRNA one might be microchips and things like that. But there's no scientific evidence for that. And vaccines seem to only have positive effects. And if they do have a negative effect, it's like a minor side effect like you like you are making. Um, but also what a really important thing about the MMR vaccine is the um, World Health Organization states that you need a 95% um, vaccinated um, population to sustain measles elimination. And th especially with things like schools where children are packed in very closely together, if you don't have that 95% target, it's very easy for measles to spread very quickly throughout that whole school because measles is a very infectious disease and it's also quite serious. It can cause pneumonia and brain inflammation. And um, actually half, around what half the population are not actually aware of the serious risks of measles. Maybe it's a bit of um, di di um, like not informing the population about these risks that is also leading to people not taking this ever more vaccine and thinking, oh, it's just a, like a mild condition. I don't need to take the vaccine if I'm not sure about it. Um, I think a follow-on question from that is why actually are so many people against the vaccines? Why do people not trust the people who are making the vaccines, the companies and the scientists? Um, and what, where is this, what is the kind of source of all of these theories and stuff? And is there something that like the health and science community, is there a responsibility and role on our, on their part to kind of um, make people more feel more trusted trust the vaccines more and stuff so what do you guys think about that um so i mean these theories i think that they they do just come from myth basically and uh the effects of them are really serious so i think to tap and especially another thing is social media because we're living in an age of social media where where people such as Nicki Minaj are spreading theories that the COVID vaccine, for example, can lead to like awful things such as like male sterility. I think that we really need to tackle the, these theories because they're just not true. And the way to do this is to, whenever you speak to someone who holds these views, you don't, don't speak to them assertively about it, but speak to them in a way where you just show them the facts. And if we, if we as like a uh, vaccine uh, believing community can do this, then we still let, let the, the anti-vaxxers and people who don't like vaccines, we still give them an autonomy, but we're just sharing the facts with them. And I think that's the most helpful thing we can do. Also, another thing that I think is important to bring up is the fact that um, there are, yes, of course, there are a lot of people who don't take the vaccines because of, the, because of these like wacky theories and um, like all this propaganda, whatever. But there is also um, a lot of group of people, a group of a large group of people who feel like they can't trust the healthcare system and that, of course, um, the healthcare system is open and for willing to help everyone. But like, for example, um, BAME people, people of ethnic minorities, uh, uptake the vaccine at a low, much lower rate than white people. Uh, and if you think about like the history of the treat of how those groups of people have been treated by not just yes the NHS but even more so in countries like America, 
um, in countries like America where, you know, they've been experimented on and stuff for, uh, for centuries, that can kind of have a lead on effect to like vaccine uptake and just participation in uh, the healthcare system today. So I think like that, I saw a, a thing on the news that how can we kind of encourage vaccine uptake in those communities? And it's more kind of like, you know, getting people from within those communities um, to talk about in the, like in the native language, because sometimes there's language barriers as well. People don't understand what is this vaccine? What are the side effects? What is it for? How is it? What is going into my body? Because they don't speak proper English and stuff like that. So breaking down those barriers within the communities and having people to kind of scientists of BAME backgrounds, which obviously we need more of, to kind of break down negative ideas about vaccines. I think that will also uh, increase vaccine uptake. And that's something that a lot of people often forget about. And we just kind of think, oh, these all anti-vaxxers are just so stupid that they don't, they don't really care about pub public health. It's not always the case. So I just wanted to add that. Yeah, also um, a lot of, so like the COVID vaccine was rolled out by the government. And I think less people are gonna take up the vaccine if, because this is a government scheme, less people are gonna take up the vaccine if they don't trust the government. Because if you have a distrust in yeah, the government, definitely. you're gonna have a distrust in all their schemes and what they're rolling out. So if we think about like, um, the, right now there's a lot of distrust in, in Boris Johnson. So I think all of his schemes, including a vaccine, would have a lower uptake than what they would if people really trusted him and had their faith in it. So that could also be a contributing factor. So the main topic now I'm just, is vaccine mandates. So um, in Australia recently, there were protests due to states mandating vaccination against COVID to be part of normal life, even once restrictions are dropped. So like entering restaurants, shops and businesses. And also at the start of 2022 in the UK, it was said that NHS workers had to get the jab to keep their jobs. And both were met with like general disagreement from the public and the workers. And eventually the, the NHS decision was reversed. And one of the bad reasons for this NHS decision is that lots of NHS workers would have been lost. And already the national healthcare system is already under a lot of pressure. I don't think they can afford to lose a lot more workers. And a bad way of, like, I think vaccine mandates also could be a bad idea is that mandating, forcing someone to get something that they don't want will just push them further away from you. Like, so I think if we mandate vaccines, the people who are vaccine hesitant and anti-vax will just be pushed further and further away from taking that vaccine. So I'm going to argue now, like maybe playing devil's advocate here, but I'm going to argue about maybe why we should uh, mandate by law uh, that vaccines have to be taken for COVID, even though the autonomy of the patient could outweigh the beneficence of the patient, meaning that, as Sanjit said, we have to allow the person the right to choose whether to get a vaccine. I feel that it is possible to argue that um, that uh, that this is a risk to other people's health. There are loads of vulnerable people in the UK, and if other people don't get a vaccine, then it's just going to uh, it's going to create like a higher like quantity of the virus within our civilization and the result of that is much more harmful for the vulnerable people than it is um if everyone was to get a vaccine so you can see why some people would think that that it is 
it should be done that uh, COVID vaccines have to be taken by law. Um, an example of this is if uh, one of your family members was on immunosuppressants for a heart condition or like a heart, like, yeah, that sort of thing, then they, if they catch COVID, that's really bad, isn't it? So firstly, you, if they if they were anti-vax, then and then they caught COVID and died, then I feel like that's a lot worse than if the government had forced them to take up the vaccine so that they and then they got COVID and they were, you know, they did okay. Like they were a bit ill, but they didn't really die. That's probably the best, that is the better situation. Um, so that's one thing. But also the fact that if other people were forced to get a vaccine by law, then um then it's there's less risk of the other person catching it, the person with the heart condition. So that is why there is definitely relatively strong arguments in favour of mandating vaccines by law. But could you argue that, so if we're saying that we everyone should be vac vaccinated so that they, to reduce the risk of them get, giving COVID to someone who's um, vulnerable, right? But the COVID vaccines, you could argue that the COVID vaccines don't actually reduce transmission of the disease by that much. So as long as the people who are vulnerable are vaccinated, then surely then other people don't need to be vaccinated because the they the the vulnerable people might catch COVID anyway. Um, so what would you say to um, people whose viewpoint is that? Well, I mean if I'm arguing from the, the you know uh, the point of view that it should be mandated by law then I would say that that's not the strongest argument because even though it does reduce the it does reduce the transmissibility it doesn't reduce the transmissibility by you know the most significant amount it does reduce it by a relatively you know a relatively strong amount and any effects that can reduce transmissibility is positive for people who are you know medically vulnerable so there, therefore I think that from that point of view people should still be made to could still be made to take up the vaccine um, if you're thinking if your NHS workers will come into contact with a lot of people whose immunity is um, they're vulnerable because they have some sort of condition or take immunosuppressants or any other thing. So even if this person, your patient, have taken the vaccine, if they are in a position where their immunity is compromised, the vaccine is going to have an even less effect. So then as a, an NHS worker, it would be your duty to not harm your patients and taking the vaccine is a way of attempting not to harm the patient. And so it's sort of coming down to balancing your autonomy with um, not harming the patient. So that's sort of like the base argument that we're trying to see. Because on one hand, you deserve the autonomy to do what you want with your body and receive the treatment that you consent to. And mandating that takes away your autonomy. However, the um, as a doctor, it's your duty to um, not harm a patient. So the fourth, uh, one of the four pillars, which is non-maleficence. And if you don't take the vaccine, it's up, there's a higher uh, chance of you transmitting COVID and harming, possibly harming a patient. Can I just so, say, like, I'm just, yeah, I think that that is a really strong argument, Sanjit. Um, but I think that with autonomy, the reason that it isn't mandated by law is because of autonomy and the strength of it. And if you think about it, then a society that, a society that forces people to uptake a vaccine, it, it can be seen as, you know, a bit totalitarian. And in that respect, it could be viewed as, you know, 
a wrong thing to do. But even still, I think that there is definitely there definitely would be strong advantages with a government that does make people take the vaccine. Yeah, like um, I think, autom- like as we've seen in recent times, we've shifted from a paternalistic to a more um, patient-focused type of um, care where the patient has more autonomy. So I think it's quite it's a sensible decision to allow people to still have the autonomy with vaccines because if yeah. they had mandated it, it was sort of going against the shift that we've seen in healthcare recently. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's just brilliant. That's just why uh, it isn't mandated by law. It's because of the strength of the pillar of autonomy in this situation. Even for people who had taken the vaccine on their own will, if it were to be mandated by law, then I think that can have a negative effect on them as well because it kind of it kind of shows oh wow the government has the power to do to force us to put stuff in our own body or what else and people might people who took the vaccine of their own will might fear like what could this what effects could this have in the future on other government decisions like what they have they have this power to do this what else could they do and even though that they took it on their own will they kind of the, the fact that it is mandated can can give negative kind of um, cause negative views and opinions about the healthcare system and stuff like that. I'm not sure if you guys agree, but I thought that could be like a second yeah. impact as well. Yeah, I think the important thing to remember is that there's you know strong arguments from both sides, but because of the pillar of autonomy and because of the effects of not giving patients their autonomy, I think that it, we have to say at the end of the day that it, it just isn't right for a government to mandate vaccines. Uh, you know, yeah. Yeah, okay. So now finally, uh, before we finish, we're going to be looking at a current affairs sort of example. So recently, Novak Djokovic was going to Australia to play an Australian Open, and as we know, Australia has very strict laws of vaccination and things like that. So people aren't allowed to enter the country without, um, I think it's double vaccination. And um, I think Novak Djokovic is unvaccinated. So he had initially got a medical exemption, but that was then removed in the airport and he was detained and deported. And some people, and there was lots of um, debate over whether deporting him was the right thing, whether he should have been allowed to participate. So in his interview to the BBC, Mark Djokovic said that he, he is not an anti-vaxxer, but he supports individuals' rights to choose. So he is basically saying, everyone gets their choice and that is basically the essence of autonomy right and um while to most people it seems like he's making a wrong decision by not having the vaccine he if we're following this pillar of autonomy we should always we should allow his own opinion and we should also respect it yeah so the question is is that was it right what happened to him um and i think that if you think about his autonomy he does have ultimately was his autonomy respected? Yes, because he doesn't. He was not forced to have the vaccine, um, and he still hasn't had the vaccine. So autonomy is um, respected. And in terms of, well, what were the consequences of that? Was he? Is it? Is it? Is it a situation where if he wasn't get the vaccine, then his quality of life would be greatly reduced? I, I don't. I don't think that just him not being able to play in the Australian Open is his quality of life being greatly reduced. I think that it's a fair move to um for him to not be able to play because um it's not like he's being coerced or forced into taking the vaccine in any means um it's thought that he he would be a risk to public health in australia that's what the government thought yeah like i think that 
Australia, especially under the leadership of the great Scott Morrison, I feel like uh, I I feel like you know they are quite a, a well-led country, and that decision it was a firm decision. Like, I do applaud Australia for doing that decision, and as Param said, they've still respected his autonomy. And yes, he is going to start losing out on tennis titles, and that is going to impact his career because I think he was about to become the greatest tennis player of all time. But yeah, so if he had won the Australian Open, he would have won the most um, yeah. titles in all time. Yeah, yeah, that, that is, yeah. I think so that is, you know, it's a bit annoying for him. But it's, they, Australia, they had to balance, you know, his, his career versus the health of the population. And Australia and New Zealand have really tackled the COVID crisis well. So I think that they were wise in that decision. Yeah. Um, so he he himself says, and this his reasons for not having a vaccine is that he wants to keep his body in the best shape possible and he has doubts. And we're not exactly sure what doubts he has, but it's still our duty to respect his opinion. We can't really we can't force him to take the vaccine and he obviously said that said that he's willing to sacrifice potentially um, he's willing to potentially not be the greatest player of all time in tennis just so he doesn't have a vaccine. And that's his decision. I just want to say about that, that, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's fair that he has his doubts, even though there isn't really much to doubt. But it just it's a bit of a paradoxical argument that he's made, because if you want to keep his body in the best shape, that you would expect that to mean that he wants to become like the best tennis player to ever have lived. But then he can't do that if he hasn't had the vaccine, because he's just not going to be allowed to play in tournaments. So it's just a bit... I. Yeah, it just doesn't really make too much sense, does it? So on the other hand, um, deporting Novak Djokovic and not allowing him to play in the Australian Open would could be seen as a wrong decision, because um, saying that you're not allowed to do these things, which he really wants to do, um, <clears throat> um, so saying he can't play in this Open or potentially become the best player of all time if he doesn't get the vaccine, is sort of forcing him in a way to get the vaccine if he wants to do those things, and it's sort of like give him a quiet push that way when really it's not really giving him the free decisions like he's not getting the same freedom that other people do just because he's not vaccinated and that can also be seen as a wrong thing because his freedom is getting taken away because of his decision and if he was given full autonomy he'd still get those same freedom with regardless of his decision yeah they've kind of given him an ultimatum in a way and that that could then transpire into other similar cases, not in terms of Novak Djokovic and tennis, but like uh, employers not letting their workers um, have their jobs unless they're vaccinated. And it can just lead to other countries then having similar rules or vaccine mandates in certain places. And then that can kind of basically mean that if you are not vaccinated, you can't participate in society, which then, um, although you still have the choice to be unvaccinated, you don't really because if you can't function society, then that's kind of like, it's kind of, it's like you're, uh, you have autonomy, but you, group. yeah, you don't really have autonomy. And it's kind of, if autonomy is that important, then you should have full autonomy and you shouldn't be uh, isolated from society if based on your choice. Um, so I guess that's what you could argue against that, that it could lead to more wider implications. Yeah. Okay. So I think that, in general, our conclusions, well, why don't you guys go, what are your thoughts on the vaccine mandate? Should COVID vaccine mandates be implemented into law or no? 
I think it's a tricky issue and that there is strong arguments from both sides. But because of the strength of autonomy, I don't think you can. I just, it's it's too totalitarian. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. don't think that they should be. Yeah, I agree as well. I don't think it should be mandating vaccines. Okay, well, thank you everyone for listening today. Um, and make sure to share our podcast, follow us on uh, Instagram. If you, know, if you have any questions, then um, you can email us. Uh, and yeah, make sure to... Uh, let us know your feedback on the podcast and the episode Uh, and yeah so see you next time I'm not sure what we're talking about but hopefully it won't be in six months time and it'll be actually um, not too far in the future so yeah thank you guys Bye. bye